Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. <laughs> nice. Hello, welcome to Not a Knife, the podcast that is all about culture, unity, reviews and banter. This podcast is proudly part of the Ozcast Network and is recorded on the land of the Woodjuk people of Perth region. And we pay respects to their elders, both past and present. On this episode, Andrew catches up with director Susanna Styron and producer Jackie Osh as they talk about their film Out of My Head, a documentary screening at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival and one that looks at the impact that migraines have on lives. Have a listen to the trailer. Well, I have it right now. Migraine is so much more than just a terribly disabling headache. I couldn't feel my hand. I lose language. I don't see anything except for shapes all day long. My daughter, Emma, came to me one day and told me she couldn't see. That's it. She just couldn't see. The next time it happened, it came with vomiting and a headache. She was desperate, and I was uninformed. So we took the first recommendation we got. I had a pretty bad experience. He said, I can give you a drug that will make you fat and bald, or I can give you a drug that will make you thin and stupid. And I said, thin and stupid, please. We do not have good medical treatment for people who have chronic forms of the disorder. If I can cure your migraine, I'm gonna get the Nobel Prize. That's how big that is. By setting out to help my daughter, it seemed I'd stumbled into an entire world of hidden suffering. Freud had it. Thomas Jefferson with six solid weeks of headaches before the six solid weeks where he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Blaine Wade out with a migraine. Um, it's a big struggle. My vision goes. Of course you get the pounding headaches, the vomiting. The common refrain for people who have migraine is, no, 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 it's not just a headache. Well, I think we need to take that actually a step further and say it, it actually is not headache at all. And I don't see the F anymore. Um, well, I won't take up too much of your time because you've got a busy day ahead of you and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but your film's really interesting, and especially I find it really interesting as somebody who has just started having migraines that I'm like, uh, you know, this this is, yeah, it's not a lot of fun. I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, but I learned really a lot. Yeah. It's unusual to have them start, you know, post-adolescent. Um well, so, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, I have been to see a doctor, uh, but we're not here to talk about me, so that's okay. <laughs> but we're figuring it out. We're, but there's there's not much hope, which is kind of a, a sad thing. Uh, but your your documentary does an interesting thing where it actually does fill you with a little bit of hope that you know that there might be some kind of solution in the future of some regards. Um, so I want to know how this story came to be. Uh, 
Well, I mean, as you kind of see in the film, it's it's basically that. You know, my daughter started getting migraines, and while I, in the process of trying to get her help, what really surprised me was how many people I knew who actually had migraines and had never told me. Because once I started talking about hers, people would say, oh, I get them too. And I was like, why don't I know that about you? So I started to sense... Um, how stigmatized and closeted it was. And also, it was I was just blown away by what I didn't know because I was one of those people who thought it was just a really bad headache. So, and between the pervasiveness of it, the closeted, stigmatized nature of it, and the, um, the unknown aspects of it, it seemed just like ripe for, you know, spreading that information. And Jackie and I are documentary filmmakers. We'd made a film together before, and so... We started talking about it, and it was like, and there was no other, you know, real documentary out there about it. Yeah, and I had, um, I have migraine in my family, my sister, my niece, my grandmother has uh, had had migraine, and she, you know, as a a little child, I remember her sort of, this really vivacious, energetic person, and then every once in a while, it was like disappearing acts. And, you know, she'd be hiding off in a room, in a dark room, and didn't want anybody to talk to her. So it had a really profound sort of impact on me as a child, you know, seeing somebody I knew just transform and, you know, their personality transform with the condition. So, and when we saw the numbers, you know, when we realized how many people were living with migraines, and the fact that it is just not talked about, it just seemed like a really opportune thing to make a film about, to get the word out. Yeah. And I think what really fascinated me the most was the, the look into the history of how migraines have been represented in culture and, and different people, like notable people throughout history who have been affected by it. And, you know, as you're saying, like, I think, not many people talk about it so when you look back and you're like this person had it that person had it and then you look at Alice in Wonderland and all that kind of stuff and it's like it all just snowballs into this this bundle of information so for me I guess what was the most surprising part for both of you as you were were researching for the film and and, uh, compiling the information for the film well I you know I think probably for me and possibly for Susanna too but I the, the historical and cultural influence was really kind of stunning, you know, because it is pervasive in our culture. If you look at the, the people that have been influenced by it and, and certainly artistically how it's affected their work. So that was really fun for us to, you know, unfold, unwrap those layers and find, you know, these different stories. So there, there's a lot of great stuff that didn't end up in the film just because of, you know, time and all the information we were trying to pack in. But it was really fun to dig those stories up. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, I I agree, that was a big surprise. I mean, then for me, the big aha moment was when I realized that I had had abdominal migraines, which is also in the film. That was like the biggest personal moment of, Oh my God, all those years I was suffering so much. And I, you know, people thought I was imagining it and I thought I was crazy. And, 
and there was an explanation for it. Mm. And I think that's the thing that, that kind of sprung up for me is that, you know, migraines alongside like depression, anxiety and stuff like that, they're kind of a hidden illness in some regards because physically the person can look perfectly fine. And as you're saying, then they disappear off to a room, you know, because the pain is so immense and so intense. Um, so was that like a really important thing for you both to explore something that is hidden and, and untouched on, I guess, in society or in culture at all? Yeah, the short answer is absolutely. I mean, cr- chronic pain, do you want to take yeah, the lead? I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's per- again, it's pervasive. Oh, no, it relates it's to so much more. Go ahead. It so much more than migraine because it does relate it is about that's that's where it becomes even bigger than the billion people worldwide who have migraine because it's about chronic pain mm-hmm. you know people or 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 chronic invisible illness sometimes it's not pain with migraine as we know but it's illness and disability and it's invisible and so people aren't believed and therefore they hide it because they they, there's no safe place to express it. Um, and that's very, very, it's very, very important for people in that position to have their condition be understood. So, that, I mean, that's, you know, the the uh, the biggest part for me of this film is the potential for, or the most important thing about it for me, is the potential um, not just for physical healing, like what do you do about your migraines and will there be more research, will there be more treatments, but the emotional healing that people are experiencing from seeing the film of being seen, being heard, and having the people around them and the people they love understand for the first time in their lives what they're going through. We, we had a, I had a woman after a screening come up to me with her husband and say, this is the first time I haven't felt alone. Now, she is standing next to her husband, who is her caregiver, and she said the fact that she was in a big hall with 400 people and she, and she was watching this film with the understanding that they were finally getting what she goes through meant the world to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it you know, it's really crucial to um, try to get empathy you know try to build empathy and understanding with the with the general public with people who don't experience migraine and who do have you know all these misconceptions about it so uh, that it's crucial to, you know that's why we made the film mm. really and i i'm glad that this kind of story is being told because if exactly as you're saying you know it's the the old adage of like you know I have a migraine, I've got to call in sick, and yet you don't really want to say, I've got a migraine, because the the general perception is, we'll just have a Panadol and you'll be fine, or a Nurofen or Aspirin or something, you'll be fine. (laughs) Um, So it's great to see that this is being explored. We had um, another young woman, after she saw our film, said to me, oh, this is so fantastic, and I feel really badly about something and I said what and she said I have a colleague at work who you know fairly frequently has to stay home for a migraine and I've always I never said anything to her but I always thought she was a bit of a slacker you know in my mind I thought she was a slacker and she said and this has just transformed her perception so it 
it really is crucial in the workplace as well that that people um, you know that the people who are working with people who experience migraine have some compassion for them when they're ill you know it yeah, well, that that's one of the most alarming stats that you bring up, and I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it is a huge number of days that are taken, you know, as sick leave in America because of migraines. So that in itself yeah. is like, wow, <laughs> that was powerful. Powerful to see. In every country, we just had yeah. a statistic for the United States, but it's comparable to the population of any country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're doing your research and and plotting out the film, what kind of things stuck you stuck out for you as, as good ways for people to treat their migraines or get care for their migraines from either their carers or the, the people that they live with or, or anything like that? You know, it's so individual. <clears throat> and, I, and we've made a big effort not to be prescriptive because mm-hmm. we're not doctors and, we don't, it, it, you know, it's not really a, medic, it's not a medical how-to film. So, you know, so it's so different, you know, some things work for some people, nothing works for everyone, nothing works forever. So um, I think we're both really reluctant to, you know, pinpoint or recommend any particular treatment. I mean, but one thing that is clearly universal is like any illness, you know, stress it increases the intensity of anything. So there, you know, there's no question that with migraine, as with anything, if you can find a way to regulate stress and emotion, it can, you know, help take the edge of. I'm not saying that, you know, if you meditate, you can cure your migraines. But <laughs> no, no, of course, yeah, yeah. That anything that people can do to help. Um, treat their anxiety around a medical condition can often be really helpful to that condition. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I would, uh, the other thing that, you know, st- sticks out, or there are two things that stick out to me. One is finding a, a medical practitioner of some kind that is sympathetic, does get it, and can work with you to, to mod- modify or moderate you know, the, the things that might be affecting your body and making things worse. And the, and the other is, um, sorry, I'm a little jet lagged. <laughs> it's okay. It's early as well. One thing that seems to be fairly consistent is, is, um, and one of the things that good medical practitioners have their patients do is to log you know, to keep a log for a while, a diary, like what have they eaten, what have they been doing, what are, to try to find the things that might might be influencing um, the onset of migraine. But um, having a kind of regular pattern um, really seems to help people. I mean, Susanna, you can tell them about Emma's... Uh, oh, yeah. So my daughter, Emma... Um, you know, her migraines were much better. And then at the end of the film, she says they've started coming back. Well, what happens af- what happened after that in real life is she um, talked to her doctor about it. And she had gotten a new job. And she had to get up really early. And I had said to her, I wonder, because there's such a connection between migraine and sleep, I said, I wonder if it has to do with you getting up so early in the morning. And she talked to the doctor, and indeed it did have to do with sleep, but 
it it was the fact that she was getting up, you know, at six in the morning, five days a week, and then she was sleeping until 10, two days a week. So it was the difference, it was the irregularity <clears throat> of her sleep schedule that was triggering her migraines again. So she had to, you know, wake up early on the weekends and just give herself a little extra sleep. So that the regularity of the sleep regulation was really important. Mm. I so, you know, diet and eating, that kind of thing is, yeah, yeah, can be, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, as you're saying, and, you know, for listeners out there as well, if, if you do have migraines, go and see your doctor, speak to your doctor first of all. Don't, um, don't just go on uh, the advice that, you know, people are giving you, go and see your doctor. Um, but that's one of the things I also found really interesting about the film is that not only just your relationship to your daughter and her migraines, but the relationships that are shown throughout the film that people have, you know, there's, there's a beautiful sequence where one mother is getting, you know, she's getting tapped on the head by her daughter and that, that helps out. And what I found really lovely about that was that the education of illness at a young age, and I'm not saying that you have to be ill to, you know, teach somebody about illness, but it is an important thing to teach kids about illness. So I was curious about how that relationship was for you and also how it was for the other subjects in the film too. The In terms of... Uh, I'm not sure I'm just, just like uh, in terms of uh, you know telling your daughter's story, how was that? How did how did that work for you telling your daughter's story, and also the people that are in the film? How did they feel having their story told? I guess is the um, way it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people people have mixed feelings about you know exposing themselves to the world, but I think everyone felt like it was important to have their stories told to, you know, to get the story out there and to help other people. And that if they could do that, 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 you know, that was a great thing. I think the experience together as families of talking about it publicly has, um, I mean, I can't speak for the other families, but for me um, and for, for with Emma, it's been pretty amazing because you know, as you see in the film, I really did not take it seriously enough for a very long time. So I'm sort of atoning for that by making a movie about it. And, <laughs> um, but no, it's been what what was great beyond, you know, me as a mother taking care of her and trying to help her was sharing this education about migraine together. And also she gave us a lot of feedback in the course of making the film. She looked at some cuts and she looked at some imagery and she told us stuff that like you can't put that on the screen because people with migraine can't look at it I can't look at that to cut take it away um and um you know she was very available to us to go back and film so she was you know she was a really wonderful resource to have and she felt really I think she felt I mean she said this in a Q&A you know she felt really um moved that I cared enough to to do that no, that's nice. It's good. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think what you brought up the point about um, children being exposed to illness, um, um, the flip side of that, like like the woman that you referred to where her daughter is pressing things on her head. I mean, I, I do think, I mean, this is just personal opinion, but I do think that um, it's a good thing uh, because it is part of our life. I mean, this is back to that chronic pain and people feeling like they have to hide when they're ill. I think that's like a 
glitch culturally that needs to be repaired because um, it, it's part of life. You know, pain and illness are part of life. So if children are exposed to that, and they, I think they learn empathy at an early age. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something to be inclusive about, I think, with... Yeah. And in today's day and age, learning a little bit of empathy is always a good thing. You know, and yeah, <laughs> it always is. Look, I really enjoyed your film. I thought it was fantastic. And I'm curious about what the, the journey has been like, uh, you know, showing it around the world. And of course, it's, it's screening in Melbourne uh, in July, which has got to be pretty exciting. So what's that been like for you having different audiences experience it? I mean, it's been incredibly gratifying. It took us eight years to make the film, and we were, you know, like the two of us and an editor and a, occasional editors and finally a, a final editor. And um, uh, so it was a long, um, you know, kind of isolated process. So to finally get it out and have people see it and have the kind of response we've gotten has been <clears throat> really amazing and really gratifying. I mean, people... People with migraine come up to us afterwards, you know, weeping and hugging us and, you know, thanking us. And that's very, very moving. And people who don't have migraine come up to us and say, oh, my God, I never, you know, like Jackie's story with that woman with her colleague at work. I know, you know I'll never treat somebody with migraine the same way again. I, I never knew. So it's been great. It's been really important. And it's a, you know, it, the, it's been very gratifying, obviously, with the people who are living with migraine. But what's really been wonderful is the people who really knew nothing about it and it wasn't even in their consciousness. And they, they just love the film. They, you know, they love the history. They love, you know, all the complications. And, and they're, they're, they all, you know, many people have come up to us and say, oh, my goodness, I learned so much. This is fascinating. Because, it's, also, you know, it's the brain. Mm-hmm. It is... Also, not just I learned so much, but I was riveted, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, I, it was so compelling, and that's the thing, I mean, it, it's really important get to get audiences in and to try to frame it in, the, in a more accurate way, which is it's not a film about migraine, it's a film about the human condition, and it uses migraine as a, as, as a way in, and it's, a, it's, it's storytelling, you know, it's all these fascinating stories, and it's the story of the brain condition. And so, you know, it's so much bigger. And, I mean, once people get in and see the movie, they realize that you don't even have to have any interest in migraine to, to really love it. Yeah. <clears throat> also, at, first it's educa- at first it's entertaining, and then on top of that it's educational as well. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> learning, yeah. We also have um, a couple – well, we have – uh, we have three other screenings planned. We're doing um, a, uh, we're doing a distribution model called Theatrical on Demand, and there's a company called Fanforce in Australia. Yes, yes. With, yes, which um, we. By the way, is this going to where? Are you are you doing a recording? Are you is this going to be an audio? It'll be audio. Yeah, yeah. There's no video involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good thing. Uh, but I'm going to do a like like a podcast or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I do. Um, so I worked with uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival last year and did interviews and and stuff like that, just getting people interested in the films that are, are playing. Um, and so oh. this is this is what this will be part of that that series. So okay. I've done a okay. bunch well, already. Yeah. 
don't yeah. want to take away from the festival by talking about the other screens. Oh, no, no, then. but feel free no, to. No, no. Feel I, free I, to. I, I want okay. you to. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause okay, once, so. Once the festival's so, done, it's still, there's still, the film's still going to be out there. You know, so, yeah, yeah, totally. They're totally behind the fan force. And they are. They they're behind the other screenings too, which are happening just before the festival. But in order for them to have in this format of theatrical on demand, in order for the uh, screenings to happen, they have to tip a certain number of tickets have to be be bought in order for the screening to happen. So, in advance. In advance. It, yeah, and if it doesn't happen, they get people get mm-hmm. refunded. But so we've got. Um, Sydney on July 4th, Brisbane on July 6th, and Melbourne on July 11th, as well as the festival on July 12th. So if people go to FanForce, they can find those screenings. Fantastic. And and people can also create their own screenings through FanForce. Yeah, Yeah. and in the future, all kinds of you can have in Perth. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it. That's what I love about FanForce is that anybody can actually go, I want to see this film. I'm going to organize a screening for it. And yeah. you know, it happens yeah. regularly. It's fantastic to see. So oh, That's great. Yeah. yeah. But I'll make sure yeah. to put a link in the show notes for, for everybody in those cities as well to, to head along because not everybody's great. in Melbourne. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's a great we'll festival. Send, yeah. We'll send you the links to all the FanForce screenings too so you can... Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, so the last question which I have, which is, uh, you know, I, because I interview a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers, I'm always curious to hear about what you guys are watching. So I want to know if there's a documentary or a film that you think that more people should seek out. Obviously, it can't be your own film because I'm already pushing that. <laughs> but if there's, a, if there's a documentary that you really like that you think that people should see, uh, please let me know. What... what has been itching you lately? Hmm. Oh, that's a good... Um, let, what I do can, you have on the top I of can, your head? I can tell you one that's probably available and another that... Well, the, lately the one that's kind of out in theaters in the, in the States that I've seen that really I think is wonderful and important is called Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh, yeah. And it's about, doc, it's about Mr. Rogers, the TV, the children's television personality and it's just really about like caring about people (laughs) in a time when we really need more of that um i also there's a film it's a little it's a little um you know um, american centric but there's a film called crime and punishment i just saw a documentary which is about the um arrest quota system in the new york city police department it's about whistleblowers all right cops exposing the department for forcing them to make unnecessary arrests in order to keep their jobs. And it's a beautiful film. I just saw it at a film festival. Right. So well, hopefully that will get out there at one point. I'll keep you in the Yeah. I'll throw out an old film, which is Nostalgia for the Light. It's one of my favorite films about um, Chile by Patricio Guzman, but it's, it's a film that just artistically is impeccable. It's about, so it's about astronomy in the Akatama Desert, but it's also about disappeared people. It, I mean, it, it brings politics and and, and nature together, and universe together. It's it's really extraordinary. Well, they, are, they. This is why I asked this question because they're three films that I now need to go and seek out and see. 
So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I've already seen your film and I'm going to push it and make sure that people head along to the the screenings in, in, you know, the Eastern States and make sure they get along. So, yeah, thank you very much both for your time. I really appreciate it. episode of Not a Knife. To hear other episodes, head over to thecurb.com.au or follow The Curb on Facebook and Twitter at The Curb AU. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details. Something grand is coming to Nemecolon. Opening fall 2023, the Grand Lodge will surprise and delight with 56 stunning suites and five-star butler services. Indulge in libations at the Circle Bar and the Study before you savor the new and enchanting Fawn and Fable restaurant, where the best parts of a traditional steakhouse and a fairy tale castle create a magical dining experience. With fine dining, a spa, and over 100 adventure, golf, art, and wildlife experiences, whatever your imagination holds, Nemecolon has the key. Visit nemecolon.com for more information.